0: All right, so it's Memorial Weekend. We've already been talking about that, and it's a time to remember. But sometimes my memory fails me. It's not great. This last week, uh, I was home on Mondays. Usually I go home for lunch and do some things, get some things done or whatever, grab a bite to eat, and say hello to Jackson, my dog, and then then I take off. Well, I had some, a lot of things on my mind this Monday, and I was doing a couple things, and I took off, and I made it about oh, maybe a third of the way back to work, and I realized I forgot my phone. Uh-oh, man, I gotta have, so I had to turn around, go back, get my phone. Could not leave the phone at home in the house. I had to have my phone with me just in case. But it's important to remember you know, remembering birthdays, anniversaries, other important dates, it's important to remember, but sometimes our memories fail us. How about you? What, what are some things you've forgotten in the last couple of weeks? Probably a phone, right? There's that song, uh, I can't find my phone, so call me, you know. That happens all the time in our house, all the time. A keys, you know, I'm pretty good at my keys, but once in a while I'll find them in the freezer. Don't ask <laughs> Don't, don't ask, you know, I don't know why they end up in the freezer, but they do. Uh, maybe you go into the store, this happens to me too, you go into the store, oh, I need to grab some eggs. So you go in the store and you're hungry and you're like, before I go to the eggs, let me grab this, this, this. So you grab about 10 items and you come out and you get in your car and you go home and you get home and you forgot the eggs, right? How many times does that happen? Oh, it drives me crazy. It happens to us all. But this weekend, Memorial Weekend, is set aside for a couple things. One is to say hello to Summer. Hello, Summer. Well, it's on the way. Like I made mention, we had Summer a couple weeks ago for a few days, but it's, it's on the way. It really is. We're just going through this Montana May thing. So it's the unofficial start of Summer. Uh, and then we observe Memorial Day. We don't celebrate it. We observe it. And, and I like that because we're observing, we're remembering, and we're honoring, like I had made mention before, those that have come before us that have paid the ultimate sacrifice with their lives so that we might enjoy the freedoms that we do here in this country. And in order to remember important dates and events, we, we need to have something that helps us remember many times. We all need this. And I, and I like that we set aside certain days and certain weekends for remembering as we go through the year, the 4th of July, Thanksgiving, all kinds of wonderful things. You know, we have smartphones these days and computers, and, and so we can track our events and, and put them, and even share calendars. Gene and I share calendars so that we don't double book ourselves. Um, but one of the things you have to remember is to actually put it in the calendar, right? <laughs> I did this not too long ago, I double booked, and Gina's like, it's not in the calendar. I'm like, I know forgot to put it in the calendar. So then I put it in there real quick. Oh, look, we're double booked. <laughs> what are we going to do? We got to make sure we don't forget to put something in the calendar. Many times we use physical and visible objects to remember certain things. Who loves post-it notes? Wasn't that like a great invention? Mr. Post-it Note, whoever that person is. Awesome. I do it at work all the time. You know, it can get a bit much, though. I know some guys that have them all over their computer, all these Post-it notes. I'm like, man, that's more crazy. But we do. We, we have Post-it notes. We make shopping lists. We make to-do lists so that we can remember things. Uh, my wedding ring is a reminder of the vows that I took on that wedding day 35-plus years ago, uh, and, and it's, it's a way for me to remember. Remember that wedding day. Remember those vows that I've, I've taken and I've made birthdays, anniversaries, different events like that. Help us remember things. They're reminders for us not to forget. So as I was thinking about Memorial Weekend, thinking about remembering and honoring, the question came to mind, to my mind. What about our spiritual life? You know, I've made mention of a lot of different things as we go through our days and our weeks that we tend to remember and be a part of. But what of our what about our spiritual lives? How often maybe do we get forget what God has done for us? There are times, I have to admit, it, there are times where I forget what he's brought me through, what he's brought you through. Sometimes we forget his faithfulness and his trustworthiness in our lives because we all have ups and downs. And I'm really talking in, in the times where we're maybe in the valley of our lives and the situation has cropped up, and it's really beyond our control. Well, most of life is anyways, right? But we need to remember. We need to remember those things that God has done for us. Now, God knows our memories fail us sometimes. In fact, in the Old Testament book of Joshua, we see how God helped Israel remember, and that's going to be for the rest of our time together today. We're going to take a look at the book of Joshua and see how God helped the nation remember certain things. In Joshua chapter 3, the Lord led the nation of Israel to cross the Jordan River. And, and this was Joshua's leadership because Moses, uh, not too long before that, had died. And they had wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and then Moses died. And then Joshua got had the mantle of leadership to bring the Israelites into the promised land. And all the priests were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was symbolic in many ways. It symbolized God's presence. And so a lot of times when they, when they went, when they traveled, the Ark of the Covenant would be before the people. And so they would travel from place to place. And this time was no different. Uh, the Lord instructed Joshua to have the Ark in front of them. And as they stepped into the Jordan River, with the ark, then the Jordan River was going to stop flowing. And we pick up the story in Joshua chapter 4, verse 1. I'm not going to read all of 4. I'm going to skip around a little bit. But verse 1 says this, When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Really interesting that the Lord would command Joshua to do that. We pick up in verse six, it continues on, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in a time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off so that these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And then a little bit further on in verse 20, it says this again. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan River, Joshua set up at Gilgal, And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord, your God, forever. Man, what a great story. What a great moment for the nation of Israel that the Lord would have Joshua take the time to you know, resurrect these stones and put them on the land. And it says a little further on, and I'll talk about this too, that Joshua went then into the river and stood up more stones as well. Really interesting. Now, before this miracle, like I'd made mention, uh, they were wandering, these Israelites, these Jews were wandering um, in the desert because Moses had been sent to let my people go, he told Pharaoh. And Pharaoh finally relented. And then they went, and then he changed his mind, so he chased after them. And then Moses parted the Red Sea with the Lord's help, obviously. And then they were able to cross. But now they come to the Jordan River, and it was the last obstacle before entering into the promised land. I found out a little research, or I did a little research, and I found out a couple things this week. And and something that was really interesting is when they came to the Jordan River, it was springtime. And the snow was melting off the mountains, and it caused the Jordan River to swell. We've seen a lot of stuff in the last few days of the river swelling around here in Oklahoma and other parts of the United States, rivers swelling. And you know, when rivers swell, they're, they're pretty uncontainable. Gene and I were just watching a, a video just the other day of a, a river in Oklahoma that swelled and just took the house right off its foundation, and the house sailed down the river. So rivers can be really, really crazy and destructive, especially when the snow is melting off in the springtime. But God instructed Joshua that when the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant and when they got their feet wet, that the Jordan would open and it would stop flowing so that the nation was able to pass on dry land, just like what happened with Moses and the Red Sea. Amazing and miraculous, which brings us to our big idea today. We will remember. That's our big idea. And I have some friends of mine here today to help us remember this. So there, we will remember. We will remember. There's three important lessons from Joshua that we need to remember as we move forward. Number one is remembering helps us. Remembering helps us. It helps us do a couple things. Remembering strengthens our faith. That's the first thing it does. Remembering strengthens our faith. And then, as equally important, as it gives us hope. Remembering gives us hope. You know, we really need to be reminded that God is for us sometimes. Like I made mention, you know, we go through stuff in our lives and we always have to remember that God is for us. And Israel needed this reminder too. You know, God led the nation and used miraculous events to bring them where they were at this point in their in the nation's life. They needed to be there. And this event now is worth remembering. And that's why they set up these stones so that they would remember. And it was an amazing thing that had happened with the parting of the waters and the Jordan River stopping. Now he did it for a few reasons. He did it so that it would bring confidence to Israel that God would help them in the battles that that lay ahead because they were gonna be going through some difficult times as a nation. You know, God had brought them into the promised land, but there were things that they would experience that they needed to remember that God was for them. And they needed to have a confidence to walk through God's plan. And chapter 3 of Joshua brings that out. If you've never studied that, it's really interesting. Spend some time this week and, and read those first few chapters of Joshua. And this was after, the, like I made mention, that the, the Israel nation was, was wandering for 40 years. And if you think about that, you know, the generation that saw the parting of the Red Sea was the generation before This generation, right? It was the generation before. So there was many that were going to be leading battles. There were many in leadership. There were many people that either were very young and didn't remember it or weren't even born at all 40 years before that time. They needed confidence that God would be with them and help them fight their battles. And then another reason was it built confidence in Joshua's leadership. I mean, could you imagine being the Israel nation and, be, you know, Moses is leading you? And, and Moses, man, it was just some phenomenal things that Moses was, was doing with the Lord's help as they were going through the wilderness and, and doing. I mean, they had such trust in Moses and they knew that Moses heard from God. Time and time again we read that, that that's you know Moses heard from God and he brought forth God's word to the people. But now Moses was gone. And so put yourself in their shoes. There is probably a little bit of, I don't know, uneasiness maybe. You know, Moses, man, he's been been the dude for so many years. Now what? Now what's gonna happen? I mean, everybody loves Joshua, but can Joshua really fill the shoes that Moses has left? I don't know. But God didn't want Israel to forget that it really doesn't matter who's in charge. It's personality-driven. The ultimate person that's in charge is God himself. And so he was like, I'm building confidence that I have my hand on Joshua and still have my hand on the nation of Israel. Just like with Moses back in the Red Sea, the same thing is now here with Joshua. He's gonna be the leader and I'm gonna lead him and he hears from me. Man, that's awesome that God was building confidence in Joshua's leadership. So they had 12 stones. They they took them out from the middle of the Jordan River and they placed them at Gilgal and it was a visible reminder of God's work and power in their lives. And then I made mention that also God told Joshua to put up some standing stones in the middle of the Jordan River, right exactly where the Ark of the Covenant was set. And so as a reminder that when the river was low, you'd be able to see those stones. And when the river was high, you couldn't, but you still had the stones on the bank. So they both pointed to each other, depending on what time of the year it was. Sometimes you could see both sets of stones. Man, what, what an awesome thing. Now, the Ark of the Covenant signified the presence of God. I already made mention of that. And that is where Joshua was to set up the stones in the middle of the Jordan. And we see the same thing in the New Testament. I was reminded again this week that Jesus talked about a memorial of sorts as well. We find in Luke 22, it says this, and he took bread, and when he gave thanks for it, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Obviously, this is communion, and that's something that we celebrate once a month here at Connect, but Jesus knew communion was a memorial. It was intended for us to remember what Jesus was about to do, the sacrifice that he was to endure because of us. And that communion each month, man, it restores our hope and it builds up our faith as we take communion together as, as a body of believers. So that's number one. Remembering is important. It helps us. It builds confidence, it gives us hope, it builds up our faith. Now number two, the second thing, remembering helps the next generation. Remembering helps the next generation. I have not practiced this, it better not fall over. (laughs) The purpose of these rocks is given in the text twice. And so I just want to review that real quick. I'm just going to read from Joshua 4, 21 and 22, and it says this. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let the children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. Super important to remind or tell the stories to the next generation. These rocks were for the next generations to come. You know, some studies show that people who are highly committed to Jesus have this dynamic relationship with Jesus that many times their children are less committed, and then their grandchildren are, are even less committed. And we see that in the Israel or in the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, how that kind of went. And then the fourth generation would come back and know who the Lord was. Now, that's not to say that that's always going to happen. There's plenty of families that that, that doesn't happen too. But studies have shown there are a large percentage where that happens. And so as parents, what do we need to do? God asked Israel many times to pass on the teachings of, of the Lord to the next generation. And and oftentimes they didn't. Like I made mention, you can read about that in the Old Testament. In the books of Kings, it says repeatedly that a son came to the throne who didn't do what was right in the eyes of God. That was awful. Our society in 2019 tells us that we should train our children to be independent thinkers. Now, part of me agrees with that. But when society is saying it, that means a little bit different thing because they want them to be independent thinkers in all areas of their lives, especially in their spiritual life. And and if you talk to most people that don't have a relationship with Jesus, they're like, well, you know, my kids will figure it out. My kids will figure it out. You know, I've had many conversations with non-believers over the time. Uh, Gene and I have been following Jesus for about 25 years now, and I can remember those first few years as we were instructing our kids, as we were living this kind of different life that we had before. We were huge partiers before, but now we were, we were partying with Jesus, which is a lot different, you know? We were learning what the Bible had to say, and we were getting our kids involved in Sunday school and different things. And it was real important to us, but I'd have this conversation with my friends at work or whatever, and and they'd be like, "Oh man, it's awesome that you you know that you're a Christian now and you follow jesus and and yeah, you know i I grew up in the church a little bit or I went to youth group or whatever, and you know my, my kids will figure it out they'll don't they'll, they'll figure it out And I'm like, no, that's not it. You just don't let them figure it out now. One side of me says, Don't worry, they're going to believe what they want to believe because that's just how kids are, right? But if you continue to lay that foundation, if it is reinforced at home as it is here in church, and I know that we have a couple Christian schools too around here, and so if your kids go to Christian school, then that's going to be reinforced again. So we're laying a foundation by having our kids understand what it means to serve Jesus. Ultimately, it's going to be their own decision. Yeah, granted, it's going to be their own decision. But I know as a parent of some young kids, I wanted to do everything in my power to set them up for success. And I knew that there was nothing I could do to make them serve Jesus the way that Gene and I had found a relationship with Jesus. But I knew that I wanted to at least put the best foot forward and let them know the God that I served. You know, and I served as a youth leader for many many years, like over 15 years, and it was amazing to me how many youth would not know their Bibles very well. And I didn't slam them on it, but and they were came from good f- homes, good people, but they just they just didn't know their Bible very well. So it makes sense to me when I read this about Israel that God wanted to have some visual signs so that the next generation would ask some questions. Why? Why are those stones there? The first thing it was is to ask the children to ask questions, right? But the other thing, another dynamic in that, is so that the parents would have an answer, so that the parents would have an answer. So the responsibility fell on the parents' shoulders to have a reason and an answer for the kids' questions. I mean, we all know, those of us that have kids, that they ask a lot of questions. And sometimes it's like, oh man, how am I going to answer that one, you know? Sometimes it's just wait, I'll get back to you on that. But we need to have an answer for our kids. And that's was another important thing here that God was setting up, not only for the kids to ask questions, but so the parents would have an answer. The Apostle Peter wrote a couple letters in the New Testament. And, and I want to go to 2 Peter real quick. And, and it begins uh, in chapter 1 by encouraging his readers to grow in their faith, to have moral excellence, to have self-control, to have endurance and love. And then he says this in 2 Peter 1.12. He says, therefore, I will always remind you about the things, about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth that you've been taught. And it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life. So I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I'm gone. So this is one of the last things that Peter was writing down. His last letter. I don't know if it was the very last letter that he wrote or not. But he knew that his life was not very long lived. And one of the things he wanted to make sure is to remind the people that were gonna be reading this letter of all of these things. It's really interesting. If you haven't read 2 Peter in a while, read chapter one, because it's so important that he's reminding them. And, and I love how it says, he's like, hey, I know you're standing firm, but I'm gonna remind you anyways. I know that you got a great faith in Jesus right now, but I'm gonna remind you anyways, because there's gonna come a time to where some stuff's gonna go down. And you need to be reminded of the things that God has done for you so that you can make it through and persevere. Awesome. And so we are to do the same. We are to remind our kids and the next generations to come not to forget. And then in Joshua 4.23, it says this, for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which dried up for us until we passed over. So they was, J- Joshua was connecting the dots from what just took place to what had taken place before. And he was speaking to the nation saying, you can tell your children that God is trustworthy because he's done it before, he did it again, and he will continue to do it into the future. So why are those stones there? Well, because God did a great work. God wanted the children to know about it and he wanted the parents to have an answer so that they would go forth and serve the Lord. Remembering, we will remember. Remembering helps us and it helps the next generation. And then lastly, remembering is missional. Remembering is missional. And Bobby Fix said, amen. <laughs> These rocks were a witness. Man, look at what it says in Joshua 4.24. So all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. We've talked about this before. It doesn't mean to be afraid. It means to have respect, to honor God because he is sovereign. And that's what this was designed to do. Not only would the children ask, but the peoples of the earth, and not just some peoples, the text says all people will ask. Earlier in chapter 3, we didn't read this, but here's what Joshua 3.10 says. Joshua said, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you, that he will without fail drive out before you. All the Canaanites, all the Hittites, the Hivites, the Amorites, and Jebusites, and all the other ites that were available at the time. God was going to do it all. He was going to let Israel possess the promised land. And that's what Joshua said in chapter 3. God wanted the countries around to know that there was something different about Israel. Not that they maybe ate food a little differently or they might have dressed a little differently. No, it was much more than that. He wanted the people of the land to know the power that God had. This pile of rocks, it would speak to that as they would ask, as people coming around would ask. And and it might go something like this. So here's the question. How did thousands of people cross the Jordan River in springtime when the waters were flowing over the banks? And that could be a good question. Well, this pile of rocks. We got those from the middle of the river. God parted the waters, and we walked through onto dry ground. And they'd say, no way. And they'd say, yeah way. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Because you see the smoothness of the rocks? Think about this. The rocks that they grabbed out of the river didn't look like the rocks on the bank, did they? They had water rushing over it for a long, 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 long time. So they were all smooth. They looked much different than the rocks that were in the mountains and in the landscape around them. The only way they could have gotten those rocks was because the Jordan River had stopped and they were able to harvest them out of the river. What a great great picture of how God uses things to really speak to who he is, his power, and his nature, the fact that he's faithful and trustworthy. It's amazing. You know, symbols and memorials, you know, they may make people ask questions. You know, I I have a Bible at work just sitting on my desk, and occasionally they say, well, you know, what's that? Oh, that's my Bible. Oh, it's your Bible. Did you read the Bible? Yeah, you know, and we have a little discussion. Or maybe they just ignore it. I don't know. You know, a lot of times that happens. But you know what? That Bible sitting on my desk can be a great um, conversation starter with somebody that, who's maybe interested, somebody who's maybe maybe seeking. Or how about you in your home? There's pictures on the wall. Maybe you have a cross on the wall. Or maybe you have a picture of, of family members. And maybe it's a, a collage. And maybe you have your baptism picture in there. I don't know. Well, that would be a good you know, conversation starter. Well, What's going on here? Oh, yeah, that's when I dedicated my life to the Lord and I got baptized right after that and this picture was taken then. It might lead to another discussion. You don't know. Memorials are not only good for passing information on to our children, but they're also good to openly sharing our faith with neighbors and friends and family members. These rocks impacted their spiritual life. Once again, in verse 24, it says, So all so that all peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Those who saw the parting of the water knew that God deserved great respect. They, they saw it. They walked through it. They understood that God wasn't some weak, harp-playing God that would whack you when you're bad and, and, and give you an attaboy when you're good. No, they knew that God had real power and God was for them, and God could be trusted. God was strong enough to help defend their enemies. Man, it's a power illustration of God's strength. We talk about King David a lot, and he was a a character or a personality in the Old Testament. In 1 Chronicles, it says this. This is a song that he wrote, and we see it in 1 Chronicles. It says, "'Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name.'" Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him. Tell all of his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. And then here's the word. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments that he's uttered. Man, you can just hear the whole nation singing these songs about how great God is and and we need to do that in our lives as well. I go to the New Testament in the book of Ephesians and here we see Paul encouraging us. He says, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Don't forget that you guys used to be outsiders. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises that God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Jesus. Man, that is awesome news. That's the good news that we are to tell those folks in our lives. That's the good news that Paul was telling as he was being a missionary to the Gentile nation. Once you were lost, but now you're found. Jesus has changed your lives. And I love that. You were outsiders, but now you understand the covenant that God has made with people. He made a covenant with Israel. That was awesome. But in the New Testament, Jesus came on the scene and made it personal. He makes this covenant individually with us. We are citizens of God's personal covenant. Man, remembering helps us. It helps our next generation, and it helps us to remember that it's about being on mission. It's missional by remembering. But so how do we remember? Great question. I'm glad you asked. There's a couple ways that I thought of as I was, you know, thinking about this teaching. We can remember, one way is is having something physical. I mean, you know, maybe a picture that you see, like I may mention of your baptism time or, or what have you, or you could do some standing stones in a garden or something like that. There's many ways that we can remember. The best way is to write down your story. If you've never done that, you need to write down your story. I'm not a great journaler. I wish I was. I've probably forgotten most things in my life spiritually, but you know what? Once in a while, I'll sit down and I'll just spend some time with the Lord, and I'll start writing, and I will remember the things that God has done for me. So write it down. Write down your story. When did you receive Christ as your Savior? Some people have a memorial, and they they write it in their Bibles, the date that they bowed their knee and said, you know what? I'm done living this life on my own. I'm going to serve Jesus, and today's the day. Maybe you have that date in your Bible, Or maybe another significant spiritual event that you don't want to forget. Your baptism. Maybe the day you rededicated your life. Maybe you remember when the Holy Spirit really got a hold of your heart. And through that, through his leading, it changed you. Maybe it healed your marriage. Maybe relationships changed at work. I I don't know what it is, but... You know what it is. We have to remember those things that God has done for us. Do you remember the last time you cried out to the Lord and he answered prayer in a powerful way? These are the things that we need to remember. You know, and I'm going to guess that for many of you, as I'm asking these questions, it's bringing up memories in your mind that maybe you had forgotten. Write it down. Those memories, those stories that you remember are important. They're important to encourage you. They're important for you to pass on to your children and to your kids so that they can see that, man, God does some amazing things. I know for Gene and I, we used to talk about that with the kids all the time. And it can also encourage you when you're struggling in battles of life. And it also, it can encourage you to reach out to your neighbors and your friends that God brings into your life. To finish up, we, we do something called next steps. And, and if you're taking notes with me, there's some next steps in your notes. And if you're not, maybe you just want to jot this down. The first thing is, is I'm going to begin following Jesus today. That, we always want to talk about that because that's where this relationship starts. But the second thing I have in your notes there is I'm going to spend time remembering and writing down what God has done in my life. It doesn't take long. Get up an extra 15 minutes early and just spend some time with God as the, as the uh, coffee's getting ready in the morning. But write down those things. I will look for opportunities, number three, to share these stories with my children. I don't know, you know, my kids are out of the house, but when we get together for, you know, holidays and birthdays and stuff, a lot of times we talk about things and once in a while something sparks a memory. It says, you remember when God did this? Do you remember when this happened and the Lord was so faithful to us back then? So even if you don't have kids in the home, you can still do this and share stories with your family. And then the other thing is, number four, I will share stories with my friends and neighbors. As you have people over to the house, as you get together for barbecues tomorrow, look for an opportunity. You don't know what God might be doing in the background with your neighbors and with your friends. So as you're taking a few minutes to write and to think about this, I'm going to ask the band to come forward and we're going to do one prayer song as, as just an act of worship. And then I'll come back up and, and we'll, we'll finish up our time together and then we'll have our celebration song as we exit. As they're coming forward, I'm going to go ahead and pray for us. Bow with me in prayer. Father God, we thank you so much and you call us to remember today. We, we remember because of Memorial Weekend. We remember those servicemen that have paid the ultimate sacrifice and, and given their lives that we might experience freedom. But, but Jesus, you did that too. You gave your life so that we could experience this spiritual freedom, this eternal freedom in our lives. And we are just so grateful to you. And so I would pray. I'm just gonna say a general prayer for, for maybe that's you today. Maybe you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, but through the talk today, through maybe even conversations you had recently, you're like, you know what? I need to, I need to be all in with this Jesus relationship thing. And so I'm gonna pray. As I pray, you pray with me. Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus. I, I believe that Jesus died for my sins and that through that act of sacrifice, I might have relationship with the father I might have relationship through Jesus and and that's what I want I want that in my life I want my life to be changed and so Jesus I ask you to change me from the inside out to set my feet on this path so that I can follow you and and be in this dynamic relationship with you and I just believe it I thank you for it change me from the inside out